Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Study. Over 3,000 minors received gender transition surgeries in a three-year span. A new study published by the Journal of the American Medical Association has revealed that 3,678 individuals between 12 and 18 years of age underwent reconstructive surgeries to resemble the opposite sex between 2016 and 2019. The study dramatically undercuts a common narrative among transgender activists that transgender surgeries on minors are very rare. Overall, the study, now this is a study, not an editorial. They're doing a study from where? The Journal of American Medical Association. Overall, the study found that gender transition surgeries increase exponentially among all age groups, all age groups, over the three-year span, soaring from 4,552 in 2016 to 13,011 in 2019. I'm going to skip some of the article. As observers have noted, even accounting for the interruption in transgender surgeries due to the COVID pandemic, oh, pandemic, sorry, The rate at which the surgeries are occurring is likely even higher now than it was in 2019. The number of youth gender dysphoria diagnoses doubled between 2019 and 21, from 21,000 to 42,000, so diagnosed with gender dysphoria. In addition, there are now over 300 gender clinics in America, that carry out gender transition procedures in the U.S., the most of any country in the world. Notably, however, a number of European countries are moving away from allowing minors to undergo surgical procedures to remove healthy organs due to ethical concerns. Now, in quotes from a doctor, all the way up to the age 25, and perhaps some people would argue a bit longer, The human brain is not capable of making really phenomenally far-sighted decisions. Let that sink in, especially for you males. The frontal lobe is not fully developed until at least 25. And that's why you can give an 18-year-old a gun and say, go get him, go kill him. You give a 40-year-old man a gun and put him out in a ship and say, you're not going to make it, go get him. Nah, I think I got something better to do. Give them to the young ones. Everything is pretty much on the short term. You know, I want something. I want it now. It's the classical adolescent. Give it to me or I'll take my life. Give it to me or I'll make your life miserable. Now, this is a doctor speaking. What we do know is that the mental health of these kids is no better. And it's actually worse if they go through these surgical procedures, and so it's just not appropriate. The American public, he goes on to continue, Dr. Van Meter, the American public needs to know this is happening. 
You can't go back and recreate what you took out surgically. You're ruining lives and mutilating bodies irreparably. They're sterilizing the kids, essentially. That's just not an appropriate thing to do to any child under the age of majority, and actually for adults as well. I think the more that these detransitioners speak up and tell us what they went through and how they're suffering, the more the American people will get behind the movement to say, hey, let's pause this in kids under age 18 completely. But you want to register to vote. You want to look at the candidates and you want to vote according to the Bible. From uh, one of the groups that we support, Arizona Policy, CAP, Central Arizona Policy, Kathy writes, I wanted to send you a quick update on what's going on inside Center for Arizona Policy since it directly affects you, your family, and the state we love. You already knew where Governor Hobbs stands on life and protecting children. Now, everyone knows. 17 bills made it to the governor's desk 17 vetoes, 100%. Every single pro-child bill tracked and monitored closely by CAP died on the desk of the governor who promised not to sign any bill that would harm children. You see, this is demonic, guys. This is past the opinion if, if you're not a Christian, you're not going to understand this. This is totally demonic. There is no common sense. There is no science behind any of this. But it's a push to ruin what? Lives. Families. Image bearers. With the potential to produce another image bearer. That's scientifically fact. Instead, she vetoed several bills that would have protected children from harm, bills that would keep boys out of girls' spaces, and that would protect children from sexualized performances and protect all babies being born alive. These are not the actions of a governor who puts children first. And thanks to your support for CAP, her opposition to pro-child policies is now a matter of public record. Learn how to vote by knowing who you're voting for. Um, I know this past uh, election, Christians voted for our current president because they hated Trump. Not all Christians, but some Christians. Now that's an oxymoron. Because you hate somebody? Let me see, is, is that what we're supposed to do? No, we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love people and look at the policies. Not that he's perfect by any means. If you've been here long enough, you know he's not. But if you're going to vote, at least look at what, the op- what might come of what you vote for. Because this is not going to change until we vote a new governor in. Father, we thank you and praise you. And maybe, Father, this is the plan. Even as Gamaliel said to the Sanhedrin, leave these men alone, lest we find ourselves fighting against God. So, Father, you raise up and you bring down. 
And if it's our time, if, if America's in the way from the one world government, the one world religion, the one world monetary system, then we have to be taken out of the way because that system is going to come. So, Father, give us wisdom as we vote. Give us wisdom as we talk to others about voting. Give us wisdom. We might make the right decision, but obviously leaving it at the end of the day in your hands. Because we know you have a plan for America. We know you have a plan for this world. And we know your son's coming back right on time. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning as we get into your word. That you will be glorified in and through your word this morning. That we'll learn that there are people going to hell. How can we minister? Pray for them. Reach out to them. Our sphere of influence. Those four, six, eight people in our lives. That we might give them the living hope. There's no living hope in any, in any political party. That we might give them the living hope of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last of all, uh, there's a new day and time for the marriage enrichment. And so marriage enrichment is going to meet the second Saturday of the month. And so you can put that on your calendar, second Saturday of every month. And that happens to be this coming Saturday is the second Saturday. So they're going to meet from 5 to 7.30. Um, there's always food. The theme is American. And it's September 9th. And so if you need child care, uh, Jamie, who is up here singing, you can talk to Jamie, get her information, and let her know that you need child care, that we have enough sitters here. And the church covers that. You can make a donation if you'd like to. All right. We ran out of time last week, so I thought we'd be able to wrap up Sardis and dive into the Church of Philadelphia this morning. But God had another plan. So if you're new or visiting, you can get the CD from last week covering the first four verses of the Church of Sardis. And this morning I'm going to do a topical, which I normally don't do, but as I was reading I go, you know what, I think we need to do a topical on the book of life as we wrap up this church. And so Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3 and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. That's the Holy Spirit. We know that. And the churches. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now again, if you're new or visiting, Jesus is talking to John. He's giving John the book of Revelation. Not Revelations. Like there's all kinds of various revelations. Because that's why we have other religions that come along and say, Well, we have a new Revelation. No, there's only one, one revelation. There's not multiple revelations out there. And so the Holy Spirit is inspiring John to write this, and you need to observe that Jesus is calling the pastors and the churches into accountability. The world doesn't know God, so we shouldn't be surprised what they're doing. None of us should be surprised by what the enemy is doing right now. But we have to be awake and alert and do our best to help someone who's confused. Help someone who's going down the wrong road, however that plays out. Jesus says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Judgment. Jesus is judging the church. For I have not found your works mature or complete, perfect, before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Notice that. So evaluate Repent, God will restore. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. 
So there were some believers in this church that were following after God's ways, a faithful remnant. And God always has, over all of the centuries, even in Judaism, a faithful remnant. I want to be a part of that faithful remnant. I hope you do, and I think most of you do as well. So he says, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And if you're new or you're an unbeliever, you're going to find out what makes you worthy. What makes you worthy. And it's not religion. It's not the amount of money you give. It's not the number of times you go to a church. It's not the number of prayers that you pray. It's none of that religious nonsense. It's about a relationship. About a relationship. Verse 5 and 6 is what we're going to cover this morning. About a hundred verses. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. And again, if you're new, that's talking about a spiritual ear, a softness of the soul, saying, I, I, you know what, I don't know about this God. I want to know about this God. That's that, praise God. You're going to know about this God. You're going to learn about this God. But if you're hard and say, well, I'm just here because my mate made me come or my parents made me come or this or that, that's called a hard heart or a hard soul. That You know what? I really don't care. I just want to get out of here. You're not going to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you that God loves you and, died for, and his son died for you. So, now as we read verse 5 there, you might fall into a false religious thought process. And I've heard this out of Christians' mouths. They had a relationship, but they got caught up in religion, or they hadn't, de- they hadn't debugged the program coming out of a religious, religious system where if you did not enough good works, then you are not going to go to heaven. You have to debug that program. So my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and if I stay focused, if I remain faithful, if I'm good most of the time, then Jesus will not erase my name out of the book of life. So when a person reads this verse, even Christians, they put a condition there that's not there. They put a condition there that's not there. If if I'm just good enough, if I just give enough, if I knock on enough doors, if I hand off enough pamphlets, maybe I'll make it to heaven. That's, it's not there. Rather, Jesus is making a statement of fact. So first, what is this book of life? Well, let's look at Revelation 20. Now get ready. We're going to cover about 100 verses. Some are going to be, we're going to turn to. Others we're going to put up on the screen because there's so many verses, and that's why we're starting early. We've got to cover a lot here this morning because this is information that you should know. Now, I want, as I say that, I don't want to say that I have it all down, that I know exactly what it's all about because I don't. There's many things we don't know, but what little bit we do know, we should know. Don't blow it off like, well, I just can't understand it. Have you studied it? No. <laughs> okay, then, then, then you shouldn't say, I don't know it. You're, you're saying, I'm ignorant and I want to remain ignorant. Ignorant means unknowing. That's, that's all it means. It's not necessarily put down. It just means, I don't know and I don't want to know. Revelation 20, 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Notice that. That's going to play into the end of our study. Notice. 
the current earth and the current heaven is going to flee. And there was no and there was no and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books, notice plural, were opened. Now, in 12, you see the word dead. Well, aren't we all going to die? Yes. It's an amazing statistic. 10 out of 10 people die. So you are going to die. So these people have already died, but you want to note what the scriptures say. They say, and I saw the dead. They're spiritually dead, which we'll see in the scriptures. We'll get to but keep that in the, in the front of your mind. And another book was opened. So the books were opened, and there was another book, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. Is a Christian judged, as far as getting into heaven according to our works? No. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You can look it up. We're saved by grace through faith, and that is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Well, I got here because I was so good. No, the Bible says there's no one good. No, not one. So we need to realize the book of life here is being opened And every unbeliever is standing before Jesus, because Jesus is the judge, with the book of life opened, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Notice, dead. Not obviously physically dead. Who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. They were judged, each one according to his And we could say her, his or her works. Very important if you are an unbeliever here this morning, you are going to come before Jesus and you are going to be judged according to your works. Well, why would that be? Because you think you're good enough to get into heaven and that you don't need Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross, eh. So if you think you're good enough, then you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to say, you know what, I I, I was wrong. And you will bow. Because one sin, one sin will not get you into heaven. And we've all committed that many, multiple times over. So you're not getting to heaven on your own good works. You will be judged according to those works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the, what does your Bible say? Second death. Very important. Second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell. But again, did God send them there? No, they sent themselves there because I can get to heaven on my own. I don't need your God. I don't need your religion. Good, because we don't want to be religious around here. But you do need Jesus. I believe that every person that has ever lived, and that would be from conception on, that's life. Life begins at conception which would include those who have been murdered through abortion, are written in the book of life. But in the verses we just read, the book of life is open, and every unbeliever will be judged 
by the facts in this book. But what is this book filled with? What is it filled with? It's filled with the works of sin. Of those who are going to come before the great white throne for their final judgment by Jesus. And upon that judgment, it will be determined that they are not worthy to enter into heaven. And they will experience what we just read, the second death or eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Psalm 69, 28, if you'd like to take a picture or write it down. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Interesting verse. By reading that, it's easy to see from the Old Testament, it's a possible insinuation that there are two different books as far as eternal life. The unrighteous and the righteous. The unrighteous and the righteous. Revelation 21, 27 says... But there shall be no means, this is speaking of heaven itself, literally entering into heaven, there is a heaven. You might be new, you might be not a believer, there's three heavens, not the Mormons. Read your Bible. First heaven is everything within our atmosphere, you'll find that in Genesis. The second heaven is everything outside our atmosphere, everything, everything outside. That's the second heaven. The third heaven is heaven itself, where when you die as a believer, you're instantly at 186,000 miles per second taken to heaven. Amen. But for most Christians, they're kind of like, well, that's kind of so ambiguous. I mean, there's, there's so much out there. Are we going to be pudgy little angels playing harps? Read your Bible. You're literally going to go to heaven. The dimensions are in the book of Revelation. The city. You're literally going to the city. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or cause an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hmm. Lamb's book of life. To me, it sounds like there's another book. And we've already read the books were opened. Now, once a person acknowledges that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, once they receive Jesus as their Savior, I believe that their name is transferred or written into the Lamb's book of life. Kind of what we would say in modern day language of the day here today. The Heavenly Father does a cut and paste. He does a cut and paste. Because how does God see the believer on this side of heaven? Again, most Christians don't know this. They'll go back to, well, yeah, I, I just really made mistakes and I, I'm not worthy. And they'll come up with all this nonsense instead of saying, I'm holy, I'm unblameable, I'm unreprovable. That's what the scriptures teach you. You are a saint. You're set apart. Now, do you still sin? Unfortunately, when you take your last breath, we'll go, praise God, he's not a sinner anymore. But hopefully you're sinning less. You'll never be sinless, but hopefully you're sinning less. None of our works of sin are on record in heaven, and the believer will not be judged in front of God at the great white throne. They'll be judged upon death, I believe, at the Bema seat or reward seat of Christ. Psalm 103 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. This is God, this is David speaking about God, speaking about man, men and women. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who reverence him, fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Incredible verse right there, verse number 12. Have you thought about that verse? If you're a flat earther, you haven't. But for the rest of us, the earth is round. If you're facing earth, if you're facing east and you go around the earth, you will always, you will always be facing east. If you go around the globe facing west, you will always be facing west. You're at the North Pole, you go south, you're heading south. You go to the North Pole, you're heading north. East and west never meet. How far has he cast our sins? We're never going to meet our sins. We don't have to be afraid of showing up at heaven and him opening the book and say, well, you did this and you did this. I can't believe you're here. Why do you think you should come in here? You did this and this. How about Micah 7.8? Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, big word for sin, and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our sins. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Again, think about that. We cannot go to the depths of the sea, can we? Something just happened recently this past year where they tried to go to the depths of the sea and it imploded and people died. It's not in the scriptures, but I've heard it before. And he puts a sign on the seashore saying, no fishing. No fishing. You ain't going to get to your sins. Because why? You're holy, unblameable, unreprovable. 1 Peter 1. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, without partiality, our government is trying to tell us and cause division with race. There's one race, the human race. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or reverence, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. You're not saved through religion. But what? Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's the only way you and I are going to get to heaven is acknowledging I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. You know, I find it interesting that the unbeliever will not see the believer judged. But the believer will see the unbeliever judged. Why? Because the believer is found worthy through the precious blood of Jesus covering our sins, which we just read. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now, let us reason together. Again, the Holy Spirit inspiring Isaiah to write this about God to mankind, male or female, young or old. God is saying, let's reason. Let's talk. Talk about what? Eternity. We're all heading there, whether you like it or not. You ain't going to escape. My dad died at 100. He thought he was going to escape. He didn't like talking about death. Mom didn't like talking about death. She was 95. We would beg them. We have to talk with it. You're going to die. They would, within five seconds, change the subject. You know what? They both died. Where they're at, I have no idea. God is a merciful God, but I'm not going to be a wishful thinker. God will judge them accordingly. What did they do with Jesus? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. All caps there, if you're new to the Bible. That's the name of God, which we don't know the name of God. We inserted the vowels. It's not in the Bible, but anytime you see capital, it's Jehovah or Yahweh. 
literally the name of God. Not just God, but the name of God. Which we say Jehovah Yahweh. We don't know exactly if it's Jehovah or Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now when you read that verse, scarlet, as you look up scarlet, scarlet is almost orange. So another on the red spectrum, it's almost orange. Crimson is dark. It's almost purple. So what is the Holy Spirit saying through this verse? No matter where you think you are on the sinner's scale, well, I'm not so bad. I'm just, I'm just a little, you know, I'm close to being orange or I'm close to being holy. You ain't holy. Well, how could God save someone who kills people and eats them? Um, ask Jeffrey Dahmer. He received Jesus as a savior. Crimson. No one. No one will have an excuse that they would not be accepted by God. Their only excuse will be, I didn't believe it, I didn't do it, I didn't want nothing to do with you, and now i cho- I chosen to go to hell. So the book of life for me, from what we just read, and we'll read other scriptures, if you're an unbeliever, is going to look like this. It's a book, it's not the Bible, but it's a book, and you just read it. It has all of your sins written down. All of your sins written down. And so when you stand before the, the great white throne on that final judgment day, that's why you're going to bend the knee. You're going to go, oh, yeah, I do not deserve to come into heaven. But as a believer, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, what takes place at the moment of your salvation, all of your sins are wiped away. And you, your name, I believe, is then taken and written in the Lamb's book of life. Because you will not find any scriptures where we're judged according to our works. Now, as far as our rewards, we'll get to those verses, because that might be popping in your mind right now. You're, oh, you're our pastor. Rewards. Rewards. So the book of life, where are you? Or... The Lamb's Book of Life. Where are you? We're all written in the Book of Life. You're here. You're sitting here. You're alive. So when the believers are to be judged and that judgment is complete, I believe that the Book of Life will be empty. And you're going to have to think about this. What? Empty. You see, every sinner is blotted out. The book will be empty. Blank pages. And those who have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life will remain You see, as you read your Bible, you're going to find verses that say all of creation is groaning. Why? Because this earth is cursed. From when Adam and Eve sinned, that started the curse. It was not cursed prior to that, cursed after that. We're cursed. I mean, look in the mirror every day. You're falling apart, aren't you? You're getting older. That's part of the curse. Natural consequence of the curse. And so if there was a book that was in heaven and going to last in heaven for all of eternity with everyone's sin that didn't make it into heaven, what would that be? Hey, let's go over and check out that book. We open up. What's this? What? It looks like something was bad. Look at all this stuff written in here. That's talking about what? The curse. There's going to be any curse. There's going to be no curse. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and no remembrance of any curse whatsoever. 
There's yet another book called the Book of Remembrance. You'll find that book referenced in Malachi 3.16, that Italian prophet. I call him Malachi, but it's really Malachi. Then those who reverenced the Lord spoke to one another. Notice this, home fellowship, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. You're talking on the phone. You pray with somebody. You're counseling somebody. You talk to somebody in the store. You mention the name of Jesus or you mention the name of God or you talk about, wow, it's great to know Jesus. What are you doing? You're talking about God. You're talking about Jesus. You're talking about the Holy Spirit. That's being written down. This is the Bible. The Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who reverenced the Lord. That word fear there is just a healthy reverence. And who meditate on his name. Every time you talk about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, heaven is being written down in a book for all of eternity. Your name. What's going under your name? How about Psalm 139? Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. So even before Jesus spoke everything into being, there was a book that had your birth date and your end date. Go to a cemetery. We love going to cemeteries. It's so fun to go to cemeteries and look at the headstones and what they say and all this good stuff and the dates. And and what's interesting about all cemeteries, they all have something in common. Of course, they're all dead. But on the stones, they have something in common. They have a little dash. They have a little dash. And that dash, whether it's one day or 100 years old, represents their life. You and I right now, we're living in that dash. We're going to have an end date, and it's going to be over. There'll be no more evangelizing in heaven. There'll be no more trying to uh, use my spiritual gifts in heaven because there's not speaking in tongues. We don't need to speak in tongues. We're going to have one tongue. So we want to be aware that the spiritually dead are going to be judged by what? The book of life. Psalm 27, 13 I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, I'm emphasizing certain words so that we get it into our brain. There are people who are going to be eternally dead, not physically, because everybody dies physically, but spiritually. They're spiritually dead. And I'm not saying like the Jehovah Witnesses, they go into nothingness and they're, no, 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 there's hell. But it's going to be as if they were dying and dying and dying and dying and dying. Where when we go to heaven, it's life. It's life. It's living. No more pain. Read your Bible. No more pain. No more tears. The land of the living. Revelation 20, 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, I see this as the Lamb's book of life because the book of life, you're blotted out. Christians cannot be blotted out. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Notice what I'm emphasizing. Jesus is talking about eternal things. So they're not going to see eternal life. Yes, they're going to live forever, but it's not going to be life. It's going to be hell. But the wrath of God abides on him, abides on that person, the wrath of God. 
John 5, 24, most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, who sent Jesus, the Father, has everlasting, what? Life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Again, don't you think Jesus knew that everybody was going to die? Obviously. So there's spirituality. We need to lift our, our eyes to heaven. John 5, 29. And come forth, those who have done good, again, Jesus speaking, to the resurrection of, what? Life. And those who have done evil, to what? Resurrection of condemnation. No Christian is ever condemned. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you will never, ever be condemned by God ever again. Because from heaven to earth, He always sees you. Always. Even on your worst day, He always sees you as holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Because of what? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of your good works. Because of the blood of of Jesus Christ. John 8, 51. Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now again, obvious, right? 10 out of 10 people die, so Jesus isn't talking about just this death. He's talking about eternal death. John, 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Exodus 32, 33-33. Yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, Moses interceding on behalf of the Israelites who had sinned, who had brought plague upon themselves and upon the, the community. Moses is praying, he's interceding on their behalf. And what does Moses say? I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord says to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now again, as a believer, yes, I still sin, unfortunately, and I'm sinning less, thank God, due to the Holy Spirit empowering me. So I can't be blotted out of the book. So from these various verses, I can conclude that the following are in reference to the Lamb's book of life, even though the word says book of life. Philippians 4.3, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, male and female, and there are only males and females, whose names are written in the book of life. Well, we already found out they're not going to be judged according to their works, so there has to be another book. I believe it's the book of life. Now, again, I wouldn't argue with this. It's not doctrinal. It's not like, well, you've got to believe this or you're going to hell. So don't come up and try to argue with me. You do your own study. You cement it in your mind what it is and, and go for it, and we'll find out exactly what it is when we get to heaven. But I think we can find out pretty much what it is on this side, but there are additional books that we have no idea what they are. So it's not like I, I know it all. I'm not trying to portray that. I'm just trying to give you information that might lift your eyes and get your and debug the program about, well, not good enough to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You need to get over it. If you see Jesus as your Savior, name's in it, and it's not going to be erased. 
Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There will come a moment when you are judged. You will. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. You can say it on this side of heaven, willingly, lovingly, joyfully, because you will say it on that side, but you will not be going in. You're just stating a fact. I now know Jesus was real, and Jesus is real, and you are the Savior, and I am destined for hell because I wouldn't believe. Revelation 17, 8 the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. We'll eventually get to these verses in a couple years probably. We'll get to them. And go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when we see the beast that was and is not and yet is. It's, both of those are foundation of the world. So before this world ever took place, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is not predestination. It's free will. If you want your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, accept Jesus as your Savior. If you don't, you will stand before Him in the Book of Life. Psalm 102. So in these evil days in which we live, since the believer's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, what do we need to remember about this world and the ways of this world? How can we make this applicable? Psalm 102 says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They were per- not, not evolution, creationism. They will perish. You, but you will endure. Yes, they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. We don't know when this was written, but most likely about 3,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit inspired a man to write that this world is not going to last forever. Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah. Get your Bible ready, and let's turn to Isaiah. 51, 6 through 8. And again, if you're new to the Bible, the team always does a great job. They put slides up. So there's uh, 39 Old Testament books. There's 27 New Testament books, 66 books in all. And you'll see the little white arrow with the, right, with the white rectangle. That's roughly where you're going to find it in your Bible. I encourage you to have a paper Bible. Um, I understand some of you use your, your electronics for font. I get it. You don't have to come and explain yourself. I know you have a Bible at home. But I encourage you, make sure you have a Bible. When they turn off your appliance, your device, you're going to have the Word of God. You might not have any food in the refrigerator because they turned off your electricity because you wouldn't get the next shot, but you'll have the Word of God. Isaiah 51, 6 through 8. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law, the believer. So here's a a very good verse for you and I in these days we're living in. Do not fear the reproach of men. You see, this is an unhealthy fear. Well, if I say something, I'm going to lose my job. Well, who's providing for you anyways, you or God? God. Well, if I say something, they might cancel me and they might not like me anymore. Well, boo-hoo. That's an unhealthy fear. A healthy fear of God is saying, God, you've got a plan and a purpose and I'm going to proclaim your word. 
Because, you know, guys, I've heard several testimonies, not many, but several testimonies of people who said, I didn't like what somebody was telling me at the time. Matter of fact, I hated it. But now looking back, I am so thankful that they told me the truth, that they spoke the truth into my life, because I now realize the truth, I repented, and I received Jesus as my Savior. So even though you might think or they might say, well, you're hurting me, you're hurting my feelings. Say, well, I don't intentionally want to hurt you or hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to speak the truth into your life. If you don't want to have it, that's your prerogative. But can I at least speak the truth into your life so that you can really figure out? So listen to me, you who know righteous, you people in whose heart is my law or the word of God. Do not fear the reproach of mankind. Men, that, that word men there is mankind. Nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them up like wool. But my righteousness, my righteousness, God's righteousness, not my righteousness, God's righteousness, will be forever. And my salvation from generation to generation. Hebrews 1, let's look at Hebrews 1. Let's look at Hebrews 1. We were going to have the music team come up, but I don't think we're going to get to that part. We've got another 40 verses to go. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. 2 Peter, very quickly, 2 Peter 3. So what do we do with all this information? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 2 Peter 3.11, notice that. It's going to be burned up. The whole curse is burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, verse 12, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and the new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Notice, righteousness, no unrighteousness will be in heaven. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. How can we have that? The blood of Jesus Christ only. Not religion, relationship. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. If you're here this morning, you don't have Jesus as your Savior, God has been long-suffering to you. You need to accept that, acknowledge that, and receive Jesus as your Savior, because you might die. You might die this very day. Nobody knows. You don't know when you're going to die. As also our beloved Paul wrote, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. Just like I already explained, Mormonism, three heavens. They've taken it, they've twisted it to their own destruction. As they do also the rest of the scriptures, Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, this is just reality. They're twisted scriptures. Jehovah Witnesses, John chapter 1, there is a God. They inserted that little letter A to change the whole translation. No, there's one God, not a God, multiple gods. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But what? As Peter writes his very last sentence, his very last exhortation to the Christian, 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. You see, here at Calvary, we do not believe that a person can lose their salvation. Now there are some Calvaries that do. Not at this Calvary. Let's remember what we studied before about being an overcomer in 1 John 5, 3. He, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what an overcomer is. Once you receive Jesus as your Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or what we could say, God has cut and pasted you into the Lamb's Book of Life, your name. And what does Jesus say about that? John 10, 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice. Through verse 30, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That word perish there means eternal separation from God, death. Why? Because Jesus knows everybody's going to die. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is not an all-state thing, guys. This is not an insurance plug. This is the word of God. Quit trying to get out of his hands. Because you're just going to jump into the Father's. You're going to jump into Jesus. You're not getting out of his hands. I and my Father are one. As we wrap this up, as the music team comes up, I think we see another one of, of those books here in Philippians 4.17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Did you know as a Christian that you have an account in heaven, that your name literally has an account in heaven? This is not a count of sin, This is an account of the things that you have done for God, that you've done for Jesus, with Jesus, that you've done, you've been inspired by the Holy Spirit to do these things. I think it could be another book. I'm not going to say it is for sure, but it's interesting. We do have an account. Matthew 5, 6, 19 through 21. We're almost done. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where the IRS is going to come and steal it. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Oh, sorry, IRS thieves. Well, pretty much. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says. Well, how do I do that? You just heard about it. You have an account. This is Jesus speaking. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And then 1 Corinthians 3, we'll wrap it up with this. Second wrap up, maybe even third wrap up. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. You are the other. But let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Not the work for salvation. That's off the table. You're either saved or you're not. But we are going to stand before the Bema Seat of Christ for rewards. And we don't even know exactly what we're going to do with those rewards. The Bible doesn't tell us, except we do know where Jesus says those who've been faithful with little will be faithful in much. You know, and he does divide in one, in one parable. Uh, you've been faithful over 10 minas. You're going to be faithful over 10 cities. You've been faithful over five minas. And a mina is an amount of money. You're going to be faithful over five minas. So we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So in other words, you're going to get to heaven. What are you storing up that you can use for God after you get there? 
Because he wants to use you now and he wants to use you during the millennial reign of Christ. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Here's the point. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I know a majority of you do. But there might be one person in this room that doesn't. And so this is for you, that one person. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. You've just heard the word of God. Then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you will never be blotted out of that. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. You just read it. You will be blotted out. And you will be separated from God for all of eternity. That is called the second death. We just read it. Second death. So here's a little phrase that we've used over the years. I didn't come up with it. I think it was a bumper sticker back in the 70s. Born once, die twice. In other words, we've been born into a physical body. Oh, Jim, let's throw up that slide at the end there. You've been born into a physical body that's born once. You're going to die twice. You're going to die physically. You're going to die spiritually. We just read about it. But I'll go back to the other slide, Jim, before we get to that one. Or did I mess you up? You probably have to go in and out. But if you're born twice, that means become born again. Jesus said you must be born again. So what that means, because you might not be familiar with it, that just means you acknowledge you're a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm going to invite Jesus into my life to be my Savior. You'll become born again because the Holy Spirit will come in you. And we'll explain it in classes. But for this morning, it's that simple. Jesus said you must be born again. Do you want to be born twice? I was born physically. I'm born spiritually. I'm only going to die once, physically. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Jimmy will throw it up at the end of the service. We thank you for this day, Lord. And Father, we just want to make room for one person. Maybe there's one person in this room. I think we all learned something this morning. I know I learned some things this past week in my study time. So I think we learned some things. Most of us are in the Lamb's Book of Life. We know we're going to heaven. But Father, in this spiritual warfare that's taking place right now in the minds of those who are sitting in this room or watching on TV, watching over the internet. Lord, we pray that you would open their spiritual eyes, as Jesus said to the church in Sardis. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Their name's written in the book of life. But is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? So right now, as the saints are praying, and you're here today as a, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're not a saint, you're an ain't. You're going to hell. We want you to go to heaven. So you have people around you that love you. They might not even know you. They don't know that you're not saved. You do, though. So they're just praying in general that people would receive Jesus as their Savior this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and if you pray that prayer... You will literally be accepting Jesus as your Savior. It's not about the prayer. It's about your heart. Anyone can pray a different prayer. It's not, again, it's not a memorized prayer. So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, just say this simple prayer. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, which means I need a Savior. So God, I heard it, that you love me. Your son came to die for me. He is risen. He is seated at your right hand. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And God, I invite your Holy Spirit to come within me. I'm not sure what this all means, but I I know you're going to explain it to me. Because you're a good God. 
I invite Jesus. I invite your Holy Spirit. I repent. I turn from my sin. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. And even right now, by faith, according to your word, not according to feelings, but according to your word, the Holy Spirit has come in me, and I am now your son, I am now your daughter, and I can call you Father, my Father. And I say thank you for accepting me. I know through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through prayer, you will help me to become more like Jesus each and every day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.